Well, we're going to start a new series today uh, that is called The War, Living Life on the Front Lines. And so we're going to be talking about fighting the good fight, the spiritual battle, what it is that we're here for, and the fronts that we're going to be battling on. In the scriptures, you see that sort of terminology like fighting the good fight, talking about the weapons of our warfare, the armor of God, these sorts of things in the scriptures. And so we'll be looking at uh, those things and getting an understanding of what battles do we have to fight here in this life. And uh, we're sort of picking it up from the vision series, the reach up, rise up, reach out. And the reach out part is a real relationship with the living God is a call to action. It will call you to action. When we see the darkness of this world, we want to bring the light of Christ to it. So we're called to action in many, many, many different ways. But knowing God is a call to action. And so let's pray and let's believe God for something good with this series and uh, for God's leading for today. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and I thank you for each one that's here. I pray blessings upon each one of us, Lord. We're all going through different things and we need a different touch from you. And so I pray by your spirit that you would touch us with what we need today. Lord, thank you that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Lord, help us to, to see what you've got for us today. Help us to understand your word. And again, uh, by your spirit, touch each one of us with what we need so that we can believe in you better and serve you better. Bless our time. Amen. Amen. So again, the war, living life on the front lines. One of the difficult things about this war, the spiritual battle, is you don't get to go home. It's an every day, all day, your whole life kind of a thing. So we have to learn how to live our lives on the front lines of this battle. And that can create some challenges, create some difficulties. And so I want to talk about two fronts that we fight this battle on. This battle is a two-front battle. And if you're familiar with war strategy, if you're one army and you're fighting two different enemies, you're fighting on two fronts, it's a difficult prospect. But this battle is a two-front battle. And I will propose to you that we can win on both fronts. Now let's look at what those two fronts are. First, we are fighting for eternal life in the kingdom of God, everlasting life. There are people lost in this world, separated from Christ. People need to be forgiven of their sins, grafted into the family of God, and receive eternal life. So we fight for eternal life. But we also fight for abundant life now, to live abundant life to live in the blessings of God in this life, to receive good things from God now. So we've got the age to come, the afterlife. We've got heaven, eternal life that we are fighting for to bring that both to Colquet, to make sure each one of us has a hold of that and to bring that to the world. And then we're also fighting for today, for abundant life, for life to the full now. And those two fronts can be in tension. There can be tension between the two. Now, 
I grew up in a non-Christian home, and so for me, the fighting for eternal life front was something that I focused on immediately. Like, that's really, really important. And so it was something that was really important, and I didn't really worry about the other front. The abundant life today front didn't interest me. But when focusing on eternal life gets out of hand, gets distorted, it can drive people away from the gospel because that intense focus on eternity can cause today to be utterly miserable. Have you noticed that? That there can be people who are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. They're so concerned about the afterlife that today's life is miserable and painful and stark and hard. Now, so that's a problem. That's a problem because we need to fight on both fronts. Then there's others who have a tendency to focus on getting the best life, your best life today, you know, and, and those sorts of things and trying to grab hold of abundant life now. And when that's distorted, when that's out of hand, then it can let people drift uh, away from God or stay separated from God in order to avoid confrontation or hardship for eternity's sake. And so there are people who seeking after abundant life today will lose hold of the eternal things. And there are people who seeking after the eternal things will have unnecessary misery in today. And we want to win this battle on both fronts. Because I don't think it's a matter of balance. And we hear the word balance a lot and how we need to balance things. I don't think this is a matter of balance. It's not that we give a little here and take a little there and are going like this. I think it's a thing where we need to win on both fronts because they're interrelated with each other. And we can be fooled into thinking that we can grab the one without the other or take the one and not have to worry about the other. So we want to win on both fronts. They work together. So, um, proper qualifications on that. There are martyrs. There are people who are heavily persecuted. And they give up abundant life today because of the spiritual battle for eternal life and primarily for eternal life for others. Stephen, the martyr in the New Testament. There are martyrs and people who are heavily persecuted across this world because of their Christian faith. We live in the United States in 2016. I don't think any of us are going to get stoned for our faith, you know, before the Vikings Packers play tonight. You know, we're pretty safe. So we can play up this idea that, oh no, the world is going bad. Even in this day, as secular as things are becoming, we are privileged, not persecuted. And so we need to be thankful. We need to appreciate that. This wonderful building addition is something that is not taxed in the United States. We pay no real estate taxes because we're a nonprofit organization and we're privileged not persecuted. So let's not play the martyr when we aren't martyrs. 
Let's be thankful for the blessings of God. There are real martyrs across this world and they are making real sacrifices. We're the blessed ones. Let's live in that blessing. So, when I'm talking about how we need to win on both fronts, there are some people that sacrifice today for eternity. But in general, most of us, we want to win both because they, they work together and they help each other. So let's paint the picture of each front. First, we'll start with fighting for everlasting life. Let me tell you this. Heaven and hell are real. Let's let that sink in for a second. Heaven and hell are real. When I came to an awareness of that, it was like nothing else mattered. Who cares? You know, who cares who wins the game? Who cares what kind of car I have? Who cares if I'm indoors or outdoors? Heaven and hell are real. Oh my gosh. And coming from where I came from, I didn't know Christians. Everybody I loved and cared about, all of a sudden one day, I realize are going to hell. You know, that sucks. That's not a fun thing to wake up and face. And so I became very focused on fighting for eternal life. I didn't care about abundant life. And now I see the foolishness of that because they work together. But I was focused on eternal life. How do we reach the lost with the message of the gospel? And I had no tools for doing it. And it took me many years to understand all these things. And, and uh, you know... But let's look at this fight for everlasting life, for eternal life. Heaven and hell are real. Let's go to Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Old Testament prophecy from Daniel. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So, people will be brought from death To face God. You can't even hide from God through death. Because you will be raised and brought to stand before the throne. There is no escape. Some will receive everlasting life. Others, everlasting contempt. That doesn't sit real good with me. You know what I'm saying? This is a call to action. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. We see, the, uh, we see the explanation of this a little bit deeper, starting in verse 11. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. So this is John, one of the disciples, had a revelation from God. He wrote it down, and this is a little piece of it. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. So this is another realm besides what we see. Earth and sky fled. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. 
Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, when we look at these scriptures, talking about these books, you know, these books, the sins we've committed that are written in the books that we'll be judged by are written in pencil. And the eraser is the blood of Christ. And we can get those things erased. And then turn the pencil over and write our name in the book of life. Amen? Amen. That is available to every human being on this planet right now. Everyone can have that. But not everyone does. People need to hear the truth. They need to be shown the truth. We need to spread the gospel around the world, both in Cloquet, in the county, in the state, across the country, across the world. Because of Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Let's read these two verses that Jesus speaks in the Sermon on the Mount as recorded in Matthew. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. That's horrifying. I'm someone who submits to the scripture. When I disagree with what the Bible says, what I think has to go. Amen? However... I will fight against this verse till the day I die. Small is the gate and narrow the road. Let's do some road construction. Let's broaden this thing. You know, let's, let's get this thing so wide. Let's get multitudes coming in. I mean, let's get the light of Christ into every nook and cranny of this world because salvation, everlasting life is available to every human being on this planet right now. We fight for eternal life. Now, what would be worth sacrificing to bring someone into everlasting life? To take someone from damnation to glory. What would be worth sacrificing for that? Would you be willing to volunteer once a month at a church to help that process? Would you give $20 towards missions? What would be worth sacrificing? Now, the Apostle Paul, who I relate to a lot, I think a lot of the mentalities that I have, I can can relate to Paul. Here's what Paul saw when he understood the things of God, when he understood everlasting life and what he was willing to give up. Let's go to Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Verse 1. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. So is Paul serious right now? He's, he's speaking Scripture. And in the midst of Scripture, he says, now pay attention here. Now understand, this is true. I want to get real with you. 
is what Paul is saying. Verse 2. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Why does Paul, who's seen the Lord, who has been brought out of error into truth, how can someone like that, a pillar of the faith, have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart? How can he be in that place? We've looked at the fruits of the Spirit, the heart condition of love, joy, peace, patience. This is sorrow and anguish. Why? Verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. So Paul says, if I could save the nation of Israel, I would go to hell myself. Highly motivated to fight the fight for the eternal. Paul was one of those people who sacrificed abundant life today. He walked into riots. He went to prison. He was, he was almost stoned to death. He was beaten mercilessly for the eternal kingdom of God. He didn't care about his life here. When I was a new believer, it was just hard for me to deal with understanding that there are beautiful, wonderful, fantastic people that are lost and headed for destruction. It was unacceptable. I didn't see anything that was interesting in life at all. I thought, well, heaven and hell are right there. Most people go to hell. That stinks. And I lost all my motivation for everything. I quit school. Uh, You know, I just sort of was like, why even do anything? None of this matters. And then the great answer to that is, well, why not do something? (laughs) Might as well. And then... Hallelujah, God brought me into a place where I have the ability to be a minister of his gospel. Praise God. We have a calling to bring everlasting life to this world. What would you think of somebody who knows the truth of God, but who won't lift a finger to save a lost and dying world. They understand it. They know it's true. But they say, ah, there's hypocrites in church. I'm not going to help. Nah, I don't really like the music. I'm not going to help. Nah, it really doesn't do it for me. I'm not going to help. I'm going to go worship God in the woods by myself. And they won't lift a finger to save a lost and dying world. See how... If you go too far, you can get grumpy and difficult to be with. So, let's look at the other side. Let's look at abundant life in Christ. So let's go to Mark chapter 10. We're going to pick it up after the rich young ruler event happens. So there's this super smart, highly successful, 
Imagine good looking young man who comes up to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit everlasting life? And Jesus says, well, follow the rules. He says, I've been following the rules since I was a kid. Jesus is like, awesome. That's fantastic. And they have a little dialogue and Jesus invites him to be one of his disciples. He says, why don't you go sell all your stuff and come with me? And he says, ah, yeah, but I got a nice car and my house it just got paid for. I'm not going to come with you. I'm going to keep my house. And so he refuses. And so the disciples are, you know, Jesus has this dialogue about how it's hard for rich people to enter into the kingdom. And, and they're like, what? You know, these are the smart people, the successful people. And if they're having trouble, who's going to get saved? And, and Jesus says, well, it's, all things are possible with God. And then Peter says this to Jesus. Verse 28. Peter said to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. So up until now, they'd been talking about people who were unwilling to leave everything to follow Jesus. Peter says, but we have left everything. What's Jesus' response? Verse 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. So Jesus says, if you've sacrificed in this life, you will benefit a hundred times what you have sacrificed now. And you will get eternal life in the age to come. I remember reading that and going, really? How does that work? You know, a hundred mothers. I don't even know if I want a hundred mothers. You know, hard enough to deal with one. But so I asked God about it. What is this, a hundred homes? I mean, am I supposed to have faith, believe God to have a hundred properties that just belong to me? How is that supposed to work? And so I asked God about it. Lord, explain this verse to me. And uh, here's basically how I understand it. How many homes am I welcome in? If I was in need and I needed a place to go, who would take me in? I've got a few. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I think in my life, a hundredfold is an underestimation. How many brothers and sisters do I have? I got millions all around the world and I've got hundreds of them that I know that we're walking through this thing together and we're fighting the battle together. I've got brothers and sisters all over this world and I've got hundreds of them right here. I'm in a big family. Praise God. Abundant life now. A hundredfold, Jesus says. Amazing. And then how about this one? Matthew 11, 28 through 30. This is Jesus speaking again. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is the battlefield a place to get rest? 
But we have to live on the front lines. So how are we going to manage this? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Was Jesus lying when he said that? Just kind of a recruiting technique. You know, like, tell them it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Come on in. Once you sign on the dotted line, give everything, you know. Uh, (laughs) He was not lying. So when it says my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you're being crushed by the yoke, guess what? I thought to myself, I must be missing something. Because this yoke is crushing me. Because all I care about is a lost and dying world, and I didn't have the capacity to reach a lost and dying world. I could do just a couple little things, and yet I'm carrying that huge burden, and it was crushing. And I realized I'm carrying the wrong yoke. I'm carrying all the yokes of all the believers around the whole world all by myself. And that's not the yoke I'm supposed to carry. I'm supposed to carry the Pastor Mike yoke and realize That his yoke is easy, his burden is light, I can find rest for my soul and be in the will of God. Abundant life now. And of course, John 10.10. Jesus again is speaking, and this is a very famous verse. John 10.10, for the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's saying there there is an influence that comes to destroy. There is an influence that comes to steal from you. Jesus says, that's not me. I'm here for life, life to the full. King James, life and life more abundantly. That's this life now. That's not suffer, suffer, suffer till you finally die and go to heaven. It's living abundant life today. Now, again, when we overemphasize living abundant life today and forget about eternal life, it causes problems. If we're only thinking about eternal life and we sacrifice abundant life today, it also hampers the process. How do we reconcile the two? Are we to enjoy life to the full as the blessed children of God, Or should we sacrifice everything that we are for the eternal kingdom of God? Let's win on both fronts. Have you heard the old saying, the best revenge is living well? Have you heard that? Well, I'm going to tell it to you. Here's an old saying. The best revenge is living well. So if people treat you like dirt... You can get all mad and all, you know, upset and you can be crushed in your spirit and get a victim mentality or whatever all these other things are. When the when the world throws garbage at you, the best revenge is living well. Oh, yeah, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to have success. I'm going to have peace in my heart and I'm going to have love. And the best revenge is living well. It's not a scripture, but I think it's an important concept. And. How we reconcile fighting for eternal life 
and abundant life now is similar to that in this. The best evangelism includes living in abundant life now. If I am only sacrificing, only miserable, only crushed, only broken, beat down, and I say, come on and enjoy this wonderful life with me, it's not going to be very attractive to a broken, hurting world. I have to grab hold of abundant life in Christ, live it myself. We need to do that as a group and step up into it. And then we can show people the goodness of God and bring them to everlasting life. They work together. The best evangelism includes living in abundant life now. Now, this isn't selfish materialism. You know, a lot of times abundant life, you know, there's certain circles that play on people's greed and that sort of a thing. But the reality is we are called to live in victory. We are called to overcome not just hell, but the darkness of today and live in the goodness of God. We can win on both fronts. And again, there are people who have to make great sacrifices. This is a soft generalization. But in general... The people of God are to be coming up, to be getting stronger, to be living in prosperity and strength and love and joy, and then we can invite people in. The best evangelism includes living in abundant life now. The joy of the Lord attracts a hurting world. The peace of salvation calms the storms of this life. Winning on both fronts helps the other front. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to have a time of prayer here shortly. Next week, we're going to talk about the enemy that we fight. We fight the same enemy on both fronts. We fight the devil, the devil's schemes. So next week, we're going to look at uh, different devil's schemes that are in the scriptures, and we're going to look at common lies that people believe so that we can understand what we're fighting against. And we're going to dispel those lies, and we're going to be wise to the schemes of the devil. But as we've talked about fighting on these two fronts, on the eternal life front and on the abundant life now front, let's reread Matthew 7 and realize Jesus is talking about both when he says this. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Many are lost and missing Jesus, but many are living a hurting, painful, difficult life too. They're not grabbing hold of abundant life in Christ. They're living in misery and pain. Verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Again, he's talking about everlasting life, but I believe Jesus is also talking about abundant life now. Few find peace with who they are. Few find a a loving marriage relationship. Few find financial peace. So many people 
end up in misery and pain that's unnecessary. But there's a narrow road where we can win the war on both fronts, having abundant life now and doing everything we can to bring the truth of the gospel to a broken and hurting world. So we're going to pray. Let's just, I want you, first of all, I want you to know that you don't have to pick one or the other. So many people think, uh, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to have to live that life now. The life now with Christ is abundant life. It's a good life. We can win on both fronts. I give you permission to win on both fronts. Don't feel guilty for being happy. Don't feel guilty for having provision. Be willing to share your happiness. Be willing to share your provision. Don't feel guilty for that. But then also, let's look and see how do we need to fight this battle better? How do we need to grab hold of abundant life? Fix those family problems. Fix that financial problem. Deal with those, you know, fix the the depression, anxiety issues. How do we get there? And then what do we need to do to bring everlasting life to this world? So let's pray. And then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. For personal prayer, it doesn't matter what the need is. Come get prayer. You want to start a relationship with Jesus? Come get prayer. Any other need? Come get prayer. Let's pray together first. Heavenly Father, thank you that your plan is good. Thank you that you haven't called us to misery and pain, but you called us to abundant life and everlasting life. Lord, with the sacrifices we make, you either give us a hundredfold now or you, if you pay later and bring blessings in everlasting life. Thank you for your justice and your kindness. Lord, help us to know, help us to know deep in our hearts that there is no contradiction between grabbing abundant life today and seeking everything for your eternal kingdom that we can win on both fronts. And Father, I pray that you would show us, each one of us, what do we need to do to take our step forward? Is it in the everlasting life category? Do we need to ask you for forgiveness and to be brought into your family and to walk in your ways? Lord, let us ask. Is it in the abundant life side where we need to fix a relationship, we need to get a a handle on, on some issue that's taken us down? Let us grab hold of abundant life. But Lord, do bless us and encourage us and give us strength. Let your joy overflow through us into this world so that every dark corner hears your gospel and knows your truth. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.